Hello and welcome to Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast for film club leaders to explore exciting new titles with their clubs. My name is Michael and I'm joined today by Maria. Hello. And this is our sixth episode of 2018 and our final podcast before a summer break. In today's primary theme podcast, we'll be discussing Pixar's latest release, Coco. So let's begin. Coco is a PG certificate. We have it at 7 plus on the catalogue. The BBFC site Mild Threat and Some Violence. And you should also note that it contains a bereavement theme throughout. So Coco sees 12-year-old Miguel find himself transported to the land of the dead and he must find a way to return to the real world before it's too late. Uh, Maria, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the plot? Yes, so the story is set in a small town in Mexico during the very special tradition, Dia de los Muertos, which means the Day of the Dead. It is a three-day celebration in which people gather and prepare food and offerings to honour those who have passed away in their families. The story follows Miguel, a young boy who absolutely loves music and is a big fan of an old Mexican singer called Ernesto de la Cruz. One day he comes across a photo of him in one of his grandmother's pictures and is ecstatic to find out that Ernesto might be his great-grandfather. Inspired by this, he really wants to play at his local talent show, but unfortunately he doesn't have a guitar, so he borrows the guitar from Ernesto's monument in his town. So what happens next? When he takes the guitar, he finds himself transported to a place called the Land of the Dead, um, which is a huge realm where those who have passed away go to. Um, While he's there, he learns a lot about his ancestors and his family's history. He must try to get out of there before sunrise, or he will also become one of the dead too. And why is it called Coco? So the film is called Coco after Miguel's great-grandmother, who is getting very old and is quickly losing her memories. Yeah, and it's interesting that the film names itself after her character rather than uh, Miguel or someone else. Yes, definitely. It's really interesting. We have a clip from the start of the film in which Miguel's grandmother explains the significance of the Day of the Dead to him. Don't give me that look. Dia de los Muertos is the one night of the year our ancestors can come visit us. We put their photos on the ofrenda so their spirits can cross over. That is very important. If we don't put them up, they can't come. We made all this food, set out the things they loved in life, mijo. All this work to bring the family together. Okay, Maria, so why do you think this was such a big hit in Mexico as well as the rest of the world? This film was actually released in Mexico before it was released anywhere else and it grossed almost 9 million on its opening weekend which tells you a lot about how excited people were about this film. Me personally, I believe that Mexican people and Mexican culture is still incredibly um, underrepresented in film so I think this film was just a great way to acknowledge and respect the amazing culture that they have there. I think also because the film references a lot of Spanish words and a lot of aspects of Latin American culture, the whole Latin American continent were really excited to see this film as well. And like most Pixar films, this is a film that everyone can really connect to because it deals with universal themes um, such as family and loss. And what efforts have Pixar made specifically to sensitively tell this culturally specific story? 
So this film has actually been in production for many years, since 2011, and the director, Lee Unkrich, actually pitched the film almost eight years ago. So they've been working on this for a really long time. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Pixar do this a lot. Um, there's a famous lunch they some of the main directors had in 1994 where they came up with uh, four of their biggest films. So Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo and Wally. So they, they do spend a lot of time developing their, their stories and their films. Yeah, definitely. And it really comes across like you can tell they really researched this story um, and its narrative because it's not just a film about loss, but it's also about the remembering and honoring part of the, of the tradition. It was also um, really important that they cast Mexican actors. Um, and I think you can really see that because they're able to capture a lot of the nuance and the accents and the words that they use. Yeah, so Gael Garcia Bernal is probably the most well-known actor in this, uh, voice actor in this film. But there's there's an interesting story about one of the things they didn't get right first time Pixar and how they sort of rectified that, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's really important to mention that um, Pixar didn't get everything right throughout the process. So before the film was released, Disney actually tried to um, put in applications to trademark the phrase Dia de los Muertos, um, which of course is just an incredibly special culture for Mexican people and also something that's been around for many years. So a Mexican educator called um, Grace Esma started a petition which was signed by thousands of people and Pixar chose to actually remove the applications from going ahead. So I think it's really important to mention the collaboration that they did with Mexican people and the input that they also had in the film. Yeah, and the the amount that they learnt along the way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on. Um, the film's look and sound is uh, key. Can we talk firstly about the visuals and how you describe the land of the dead and the film as a whole? So the land of the dead is a huge space and the animation is extremely detailed um, and creates layers and layers of the history of the Mexican people. Um, So if you look closely at the buildings, you can actually see how the bottom are pyramids, which reference the Aztec and Mayan population who were native to the Central America. On top of that, we see buildings from the Spanish colonial period. And then on top of that, we see that of the Mexican Revolution, and it continues to get more modern as it goes higher up. This is representative of how the land of the dead continues to grow as time goes on and more people transport there. There are also a lot of visual references to the actual altars that are made for the Day of the Dead. So the land of the dead is dimly lit, like the candles people use in the altars, and also some of the structures, such as the bridge which people walk through to get to the land of the dead, are made from orange marigold flowers. And these flowers are used in ceremonies as people believe the scent attracts spirits to visit during the tradition. Of course, there are also a lot of references to the sugar skulls, which a lot of us are familiar with, with the human and animal spirits actually being skeletons, which move just like living ones. And sound plays an important part as well. So do you want to tell us about how Coco celebrates music? Yeah, so of course, music is a huge part of the film, um, not only because it motivates Miguel's journey, but it's how he connects with his great-grandmother, Coco. Um, Camilo Lara, who is one of the film's music consultants, said that they wanted to create a sonic landscape that smells like Mexico, and they really achieved this in the film. If you listen closely, you can hear 
in most scenes there's always music in the background and it references different genres and different time periods as well just like the buildings there are also um, some traditional songs embedded into the score of the film which I think is a really special note because Mexican people that watch the film might be able to recognize some of the notes so I think it just hits on those themes of memory and childhood and how music can be a source for that and that kind of links in with what we were saying about it being targeted towards a, a particularly Mexican audience. We've got an interview now with the film's directors from our YouTube channel, in which one of our young reporters talks to them about creating the Land of the Dead. Um, the animation of the spirit world is so incredible and artistic, as no one's ever, no one ever alive has been there. What inspired the locations and the glowing design? Uh, in the land of the dead. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. We couldn't do research in the land of the dead. We couldn't go visit the land of the dead. We had to make it up in our imaginations. But we tried to make it um, as quintessentially Mexican as possible. Uh, so we visited many places all over Mexico, and we created a land of the dead that felt like many of the places that we had visited while still being kind of a fantasy world. We wanted it to not be grim and gloomy. We wanted it to be as brightly colorful as possible. And, um, you know, we just wanted it to be, we wanted the audience to be as filled with wonder as Miguel is when he goes into the land of the dead. Okay, so finally, what does the film have to say about uh, family, legacy and memory? So, the film's main score is the song Remember Me, which became really popular when the film was released. Um, and there's actually different versions of the song that play throughout. Um, so we hear it sung by Miguel's great-grandfather, Ernesto de la Cruz, and then we also hear it by Miguel, who sings it to his great-grandmother, Coco. And also in the actual soundtrack at the end of the film by the Mexican singers Miguel and Natalia Lafourcade. So the song and its lyrics are kind of a motif that connects Miguel to his ancestors, um, as well as his great-grandmother Coco, but also remind us while we're watching the film to also think about our own families and how we celebrate their legacy. Um, through Miguel learning about his family's past, he's able to understand his own identity and understand why he loves music so much, while his family also learn to overcome their negative and resentful feelings towards the past. Yeah, and it is a lovely song, and it won the uh, Oscar for Best Original Song as well. So, I'm sure our clubs are going to love Coco. If they do, what films should they watch afterwards? So, the first film that I would recommend is another animation called The Book of Life, and the film also explores El Día de los Muertos. It follows a man who must also enter a different realm of the remembered and the forgotten to prove his love to a girl from his childhood. The second film I would recommend is another Pixar animation, um, Moana, which became really popular last year. And it's about an indigenous girl who lives in a Polynesian island who has to go on a dangerous journey across the sea. Um, like Coco, the film is very much about embracing your identity, culture and ancestors. The third film I would recommend is a lot darker, but we do have it recommended for a 7 plus audience on our website. So it's a Japanese animation, Spirited Away, which follows a young girl who has to travel to a um, supernatural world, much like Miguel does in Coco, to save her parents. 
And we have a film guide on Coco, as well as a blog called Celebrating Family, Music and Legacy with Pixar's Coco. We also have a podcast on Moana. So that is everything for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Do check out our previous podcast episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, all of which are accompanied by show notes, linking to resources such as film guides, film lists, blogs and video content. We'd love to hear your feedback on our podcast. Any comments you have on previous episodes and suggestions of which films and topics we could cover in the future, please do get in touch on Facebook, Twitter or via email. And if you're also interested in secondary content, we have a new episode available featuring The Post and a Fantastic Woman. We'll be back with a new episode after the summer, so tune in then.